Today's episode of the NBA Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unpredictable, like reading the story that Zion Williamson has to relearn how to walk and run. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's episode of The Mismatch also brought to you by NHTSA. You know the risks of driving drunk. There could be a crash, people could get hurt or killed. You could get arrested, incur huge legal expenses, and possibly even lose your job. You know the consequences of driving drunk, and you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Bomber, aka Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Croissant, Kevin O'Concert, aka Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin Opinionated, Kevin O'Christmas, Kevin! <laughs> Verno, how was your Christmas? How you doing? Everything was great. Um, it was great. Uh, you know, I have two, I have two young kids, and so Christmas is the best. Um, it makes it fun again, right? For sure. Um, did mom make it back home? Yes, she did. She came back home on Christmas Eve. That was the best gift this week. Um, so yeah, Christmas was nice having my mom back and spending time with my parents and uh, went over uh, my aunt's and uncle's house as well. And just for a little bit, I went, saw my cousins and then came back home to hang with my parents. It was, it was a very chill Christmas and a good Christmas. I will say this. My son, who is a, a massive NBA fan, as you could imagine, um, he wanted throwback jerseys. Ah, that's what he didn't want. He didn't want current ones. He's got current ones of the players that he loves, right? But he wanted throwbacks. So this is what he got. Tell me about this selection. He got okay. Larry Bird, Doctor J, Kings Jason Williams, and Orlando Penny Hardaway. Pretty wow. good. Pretty no, good. That, that is pretty good. Pretty good. So that like when somebody. Group. When somebody in the family asked him what he wanted, he said a throwback jersey, and that's what he ended up with. Those four, I thought it was a pretty good team. Pretty good yeah, team too. Those are good. How did how did Santa come to making those selections? Are those are those the players he likes from the past, or are those just like players that Santa likes? And he's they're like, fun. Oh. They're they're well, they're 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 fun. They're fun players. Um, Santa brought him Bird. They were they were the cool ones that were like you know look. You try to find old ones that are like legends that are also little kids grow out of mm-hmm. these, right? Little kids grow out of these. So you try to get ones that will kind of like stand the test of time. And the, the the Jason Williams one is a fun one. Penny Hardaway is obviously a Memphis legend. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was just kind of random, honestly. It was just cool ones, right? That were selected. Yeah. And uh, he didn't ask for specifics. He just wanted you know, old player jerseys. <laughs> so that's what he got. And, and he got, I don't know. Did you collect basketball cards when you were a kid? No, not really. Uh, okay. I, I had Pokemon cards. <laughs> oh, good, good grief. All right. Well, we, he got a box of cards with like, I think it had 10 packs in it. Cards are uh, very expensive now. And of course you want to get for his matter. He wants to get the John Morant rookie. And no lie, the last pack 
in the box. The last card in the last pack in the box was the John Morant rookie. Wow. And he went absolutely bonker. It was the best. The absolute best. Who else and was so, in that pack? I saw saw you make Penny Hardaway. Oh yeah, Penny Hardaway was yeah, in that. That's it was right. a throwback. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, did he get that card before or after opening up the jersey? The uh, Penny he got jersey? those. Those were after. Those were okay. after. Yeah, and that's pretty. It's cool. so funny <laughs> because right, like kids, you want rookies, and so we got like this insert Tyler Hero rookie, which was good. I swear we got like five. Rui Hachimura's. It was hilarious. <laughs> we kept what, getting, we kept getting him. Um, what, was, what was the best thing you got for Christmas? Golden tea. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah I got golden tea. It's like I the, got mi- the the mi- the mini version, right? Like, yeah, the, right. Yeah, the one the, you like. They sell it. Uh, they sell it through like Walmart and Costco now. The, but those are, those are perfect for oh, home. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm I'm gonna be amazing at golden tea. So yeah. <laughs> I got, you, know, I got you know who's supposedly amazing? What? Bill Simmons, the big boss. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The, so yeah I, there's there's a golden tea arcade in, in the office yeah. somewhere. And, and then I, and I, then my 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 daughter uh, made me a picture that she I posted on Instagram, and that was like the sweetest thing ever. I mean, it, it's the daughters are just different. My son didn't get me crap. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's just like he's just like any guy, oh, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, girls are just so much more thoughtful. It's unbelievable. Also, it's not always about the gift, it's about the love. That's it's right. about being together and and, yeah. and and the way you are with other people more yeah, than anything else. Yeah, me finding else, his themselves. iPad char- like my lo- my love for him is contingent upon me getting finding an iPad charger <laughs> for him or something. <laughs> you know where my charger is? Enough already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to what happened on Christmas outside of us. And that was there were a bunch of games that were going on. We had the Lakers Clippers lived up to all the hype. Sixers Bucks was a runaway for the Sixers. Celtics Raptors wasn't really close. Warriors Rockets, which I slandered, ended up being an entertaining Ooh, yeah. upset. And then Pelicans Nuggets. Um, that was, I, I get. I mean, it was an upset, but I didn't sense that the uh, the general consensus of people were watching that one. Um, let's start with <laughs> let's start with Sixers Bucks. <laughs> yeah, it was late for a lot of people. It was very late. <laughs> uh, let's start with Sixers Bucks. Do you think that because we are going to focus more on the the small sample size because we only have a, a finite amount of times that these teams meet during the regular season, but there certainly was a moment in time where I think anybody watching this thought to themselves, boy, this isn't a great matchup for the Bucks. You saw Giannis get more animated, angry, and frustrated than I have maybe ever seen him. Um, and, you know, sometimes when we get to the highest leverage games, it is about what team matches up with what team. Do you think this was just one game, or do you think this does signify, in fact, the Sixers are just not a great matchup for them? Well. I picked Philadelphia to make the finals before the season started. And one of the reasons why is exactly like you said, the matchup against Milwaukee, I think on paper with Philadelphia's size and length and versatility and ability to play different styles. I'm like, yeah, they feel like a really great matchup on their end to, to contain Giannis Antetokounmpo and neutralize what he can do on the floor. And that's what we saw on Christmas Day, we saw Embiid back off. We saw Philadelphia dare Giannis to shoot. We saw them successfully contain him from attacking and getting to the basket like he always does. It was a magnificent 
defensive performance by Philadelphia. And it was one of the reasons why myself and others were high on Philadelphia's defense entering the season. So with that said, I do think it is a an, an example of what could be for this defense. We saw peak Philadelphia on the defensive end of the floor on Christmas against Milwaukee. And this is something they've had some issues over the course of the year with their consistency, whether it's due to effort or focus or lineups or lack of chemistry, whatever it is, they haven't been elite every single night as you may have wished for as a Philadelphia fan entering the season. But this is a sign that they can turn it on. And when they do turn it on, they can be dominant on that end of the floor. And it's at least an encouraging sign when you're looking ahead to the postseason or just looking ahead at other future premier matchups against elite opponents like Milwaukee. So it's an encouraging, uh, encouraging night to see what Horford and Embiid, especially and Ben Simmons and all the guys on that team could do against Giannis and the Bucks. Yeah, it's really strange because if I'm not mistaken, Giannis averaged like a million points against them last year. And so it was, he was a guy that like it, that wasn't a great matchup for Philly. Um, I mean, he was like high 30s, 40 points uh, against them. And that was easily the worst big stage game uh, that we've had this year, especially because he's got all this talk. He's like, everybody's talking him up for MVP. That was just a dud of a game for Giannis. And you do have to give Philly a ton of credit, but it was a little fascinating because it was kind of like, I had I, kind of felt like, hey, Philly doesn't really have a great answer for him. And yet, there they were, defending him to death. Crazy. Well, I, there's, there is no great answer for Giannis. I mean, that's the thing. There is no great answer. But they do have at least good answers, and that's all you can hope for. You have Al Horford, who has had, has, has had some, some success defending Giannis in the past. You have Joel Embiid, who, when he is playing at the level he can, is one of the most dominant forces on the defensive end of the floor. You have Ben Simmons, who is one of the best defensive players, period, with his versatility. And granted, it was primarily Embiid in that game. You have guys that you can throw at Giannis. And then you have lengthy help defenders, too. You have someone like Tobias Harris, who has been good on defense this year. You have someone like Josh Richardson, who is a smart, savvy, hard-nosed defender. They have length. They have guys who on the ball have size and can, they can stay in front of Giannis. They have the bodies. And in a playoff series down the line, they certainly can beat Milwaukee. And that game on Christmas was an example why. They yeah. have the bodies on defense. I'm glad you brought up Horford because he is... I mean, we saw... He is a fantastic piece to throw in there uh, against a team that has Giannis on it. I mean, you're, they're big. They are big, that team, uh, all the way around. And that's and usually he is just dominating everybody. I mean, interestingly enough, Middleton was the one that went off on uh, on that Christmas game. Sure. And and certainly and then they made a go of it in the in the fourth quarter they were just way too far behind before that thing even mattered well i mean i mean i think in that third quarter you know before the fourth with a little bit of a run there's there was two i think two consecutive possessions where Milwaukee ran pick and rolls with Chris Middleton and Ben Simmons was defending Middleton on ball and B defending Giannis the screener and on one of the plays, Ben Simmons did an awesome job fighting over the Giannis screen, containing Middleton, and then Embiid just backed off Giannis once he got the ball and gave him f seven feet to shoot. 
and dared him to shoot on the next possession. Middleton drives Simmons does a good job fighting over, but then they essentially switch it. They decide to switch and Embiid backs off and does a good job containing the Giannis drive. And it was that all night long with Embiid Simmons Horford containing them building that lead into the fourth quarter. Like you said, it just didn't matter at that point. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I wanted to go check this just cause I, I, th- I thought I remembered this correctly. It's even, it's even more ridiculous than I thought. Giannis played three games against Philly last year. All right, Kev? Mm-hmm. 56% from the field, 33% from three, 43.16 rebounds per game, eight assists. He averaged 43, 16, and eight against them last year. I mean, what in the hell? And then I mean, that just, I mean, that obviously contrast that to what we saw on Christmas Day. But again, I think I think this is more about Philadelphia and we yep. saw what they can be and they haven't always been that this year uh, with Philadelphia in the past. Their their problem was when Embiid is off the floor and yep. and what they become. Well, now the ability to play Simmons Horford front courts, they have been good when Embiid is off the floor. So that's a big thing. And at this point, it's about maximizing what they are, finding the right lineup combinations. You and I talked about this earlier in the week in regards to Ben Simmons and his flaws as a player. But, you know, even with his flaws, he's still a great open floor player. And when utilized correctly in certain matchups can be an effective half court player, just certain playoff matchups. that I think he's a major liability. It will be the re- cause for their demise. In okay. certain matchups, but they can be when Joel Embiid is the player we saw in that game on Christmas Day, 31 points on 21 shots with 11 rebounds, three assists. He was a dominant force. This team can be good with right co- lineup combinations. It's just in a playoff series. Yeah. I have my concerns about Simmons, but we've been down that a bunch. Yep. Well, and it and, and we and we are going to find out uh, if this is just a overreaction to one big premier game, or if this is if we're getting a signal now. And I will say this: we know this. Embiid is one of the three or four guys. You know, Kawhi was in that range last year. He's one of the three or four guys that you could possibly foresee being the best player in a series that features Giannis. Like, there's only a few of these guys. In the in the world, but he is one of them. Like that, when it's all said and done, the best player in a game, the best player in a series was this guy instead of Giannis, and that's just unforeseeable with virtually anybody outside of Embiid, Kawhi, LeBron. I mean, there's only a few of them. I I don't think either you or I are overacting at all to this. I I think we're. I think you just took a very measured take that Joel Embiid can be the best player in a series. He can be the best player in a game, which he was on Wednesday on Christmas Day against Giannis. Embiid can be that. And for Philadelphia to continue reaching the heights that they have flashed this season, that they on paper showed before the season, they need Joel Embiid to be the guy that we saw on Christmas. On the offensive and on the floor, a dominance flo- dominant force, and on defense, just ferocious in the way he was containing Giannis Antetokounmpo. They can be this, and ultimately it comes down to what Joel Embiid becomes. If he's this guy, they are, like I thought before the season, because of their depth, because of their top-end talent, I think they should be the favorite over, over Milwaukee. 
but they haven't shown that consistently like the Bucks have. For the Bucks, it was a it was a horrific, you know, performance for Giannis, his worst of the year. Um, and and I, I'm not sure he'll be that bad again. Um, but who knows? Would right. Joel will be defending him the way he did. It, it it at least is an interesting game for us to store in the back of our mind for April, May, or June when it comes to assessing Milwaukee's odds in certain matchups and certain series. Yeah, we need to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll mention some of these others. So Celtics-Raptors, it was not a great gauge for anything because the Raptors didn't have their guys. Warriors-Rockets, generally. Though, though, though one comment on Boston, though, yeah. it is amazing how much better they are with Gordon Hayward. With with Hayward on the floor, the types of lineups they can put out there, and the ball handling and playmaking that he provides, they are a much better overall team and a scarier team uh, with Hayward on the court. And for him, dealing with that weird little foot issue, Hopefully for Boston, he's able to stay healthy. And also, Jalen Brown. Dude's awesome. Getting better all the time. Yeah, and that looks like uh, they made a very, very wise move in the offseason, locking him in for whatever amount of money. Um, Warriors-Rockets, it doesn't mean anything. Pelicans-Nuggets. doesn't no. that mean anything? It doesn't mean anything. No. No? I mean, unless you want to say that because they got the ball out of Harden's hands, and well, Russell that's what West- I mean. And, and Russell Westbrook is more than happy <laughs> to be well, able to say, "Hey, can't get the ball to you. It's my show." Well, I, I mean, mean I guess, and, and that's that's sort of where I I do think it means something. We saw the G League Warriors successfully know, but- get the ball out of James Harden's hands, James Harden's hands, and force a bunch of twenty seven percent three point shooters to shoot. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's what I we mean, saw. I mean, well, look, that's what it- we saw. I mean, you just didn't notice him much in the game. So, I mean, I guess it was more like the playoffs. Um, Yeah, it really was. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like we saw the G League Warriors do this. What happens when you have a elite defense game planning and James Harden doesn't have the options around him? You get Russell Westbrook and James Harden getting in a fist fight in the locker room. It's I can't imagine... How frustrating it must be for James Harden. Every like he made the right decision every time with those passes, every single time. But then to see the result of that this proper decision, players chucking up shots. I wonder if there's an, any part of Harden that's like, geez, I wish I wish wish Russ was a better shooter. I wish he was a better shooter. Do you think they there's probably, any they part? Probably, of they him? probably all. They probably also wish they had a third guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Did Did the, you hear uh, Ryan Russillo and his podcast uh, this week say that he's heard um, some people around the NBA think Westbrook would be available in a trade? <laughs> did you Did you hear that? <laughs> that is that is totally believable to me. I mean, because it's Daryl Morey and he would trade anybody. Maybe they could go get Chris Paul. Team. <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth, I, I would be shocked. If that were to happen, because oh, there the, is one, nothing I mean, that he would do that would I, well, shock me. Well, well, I no, 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 no. But because of the fact that they traded all those picks with Chris Paul to get Westbrook, partially because Harden wanted Westbrook, and you got to keep your star player happy. That's part of the reason you made the deal. I can't imagine James Harden would be happy if Russell Westbrook were theoretically dealt, which is so improbable. But 
if it were to happen, I just can't imagine Harden would be happy about that. But maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you still do what's best for the team because Westbrook is—he's had these elite performances. You talk, you and I talked about this on Tuesday. He can raise their ceiling when he's on top of his game. It's just a matter of how often he's actually at that level. And well, I'm, you not saw a, him, look, I'm not I a mean, Westbrook there, fan. There was there was another time where Harden wasn't exactly. Uh, you know, ma- making all the big plays. And that was, that was that Clipper game. Westbrook just took over the friggin' game. I mean, he was just ridiculous, right? I this mean, was, but, that was, that was, that was but, less than two weeks ago. But, but so, that's I mean, what Westbrook does to you. He no, has it's the good and the bad. And, yeah, but, but that's a lot of bad. <laughs> it's a I'm lot of bad. I'm with you. I'm glad you are. I, I feel like at one point you and I were on opposite ends when it came to the Westbrook Harden debate. No, uh, look, I, I I am against the Westbrook slander. That's what I am against, and and demeaning all of his achievements. I do think that look, when push comes to show, if I want a guy in a foxhole, you better believe I'm choosing Westbrook. He, he's if a competitor. I want, if I yes, same way Chris Paul was. They need that because James will concede. He's not going to fight till the very end. He'll just walk away from it. And that's what he that's when when it gets the highest leverage situations. We have seen him in fourth quarters, in the last five minutes of big games, and at least give me the guy that's gonna go down swinging in the corner before he gets knocked out. And that's what Westbrook brings to the brings to the table. That's real alpha stuff. And it's just he's wild. He's wild. <laughs> come on. Not come on. It's, it's that 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 can work to your Disadvantage, though. I, I we, understand. We saw I, this I for years, that. for years, Chris, with Westbrook and Durant. When Westbrook is being that alpha down the stretch, taking these big shots and they clank off the side of the rim. We've wow. seen that story and how it plays out. We've seen that. Harden needs to be the guy, period. He needs a guy who can compliment him and enhance him. And hopefully for Houston, it can be Russell Westbrook. Hopefully for them, it works. And I'm just not convinced with Russ, with his inefficiencies and with his flaws. I wish he was a better spot-up shooter, and he needs to be at least hot for them to to win more of those big games in a playoff series. He needs to be a hot shooter off the ball while Harden's the guy creating. That's what needs to happen. Well, we saw we saw. Look, they Chris Paul went out, and we saw what happened when it was he's the man. And see, that's what you don't. That's what you and no one not wants to recognize. When he plays like crap, and when he shows up small in a big spot, you don't use the same logic that you do against Westbrook. No, because that um, I, I, literally, I literally just said that is the advantage of having Westbrook. That I am with you. That he is a guy who, when he's on top of his game, like he was in that Clippers game last week, last Thursday. TNT, he was awesome. 13 of 31, 40 points, got to the line, was whipping the ball around the floor. He had some turnovers, but it's okay. You live with it because of what he was doing as a scorer and what they needed from him in that performance. Granted, he wasn't efficient. They needed that from him, from him in that game. And that's okay. You live with it sometimes, but there's other times where it's like he takes away from you from doing too much. You need to find the right balance with Russell Westbrook, and I hope they can find that right balance where he gives it when he when you need it, but he's not always taking it. Like, do you? I feel like I look. You, I said that. Do, I, I think I, we I look said, at. I feel like we we agree. We just look at it a little differently. Yeah, this team. Look, I I don't know if you agree with this either, but we'll find out. I do. I if you could go back and redo the trade, I would redo the trade. 
How would you redo the trade? I would not. I'm saying I would take it away. I think there's a couple of teams that would do that. I think I think you're seeing Utah would do it. They would probably take back the Mike Conley trade if they could. And I think that you, I think in this oh, they, one, hundred percent, they yeah. would take it back. And I think, my, and I think, I think they would reach. I think they would redo this. I think if you could I, go back in time, you wouldn't make the Chris Paul Russell I, Westbrook. I, trade. I don't. I don't think you would because of James Harden. I, I think you would still do the trade because of James Harden. Just because he, you he, had to he, get rid he, of him, he he would. James Harden would not have been happy. Would not have been happy if Chris Paul were still on the team right now. Those guys didn't like each other. And it was a deal that had to be made to keep James Harden happy. And you need to keep James Harden happy. Simple as that. He's your franchise player. And you can't have him be disgruntled. You can't have him at some point possibly getting to a point where he's like, yeah, I want out. I want out. You can't have that. And what that would do to your team and do to your locker room. With Westbrook, he was he's a guy who is a at least equal or comparable in talent level to Chris Paul. And, and is a guy who on paper raises your ceiling. They had to make that deal for those two reasons. And maybe it, maybe it's something that doesn't work out, but I think it was something they had to do. Jeez. And hopefully for Houston, you, you just need to build around these guys. That's just why crazy. It, I know that, but it's that's just... why Covington. I reported their interest in him earlier this month, whether it's Covington or another wing or forward, a guy who can shoot threes and defend getting another one of those guys needs to be the priority. I mean, they and, are just, they, just to, to me, Kev, they were right there. They were right there. I know. Just a, just a few. I mean, they're up. They're, look, they're up in the golden state series. They're, they're up 61 to 51 at halftime of that game, game six on their home floor. And they came out and scored 16 points in the third and nine points in the fourth quarter and got beat by 30 on their home court. And and that's the closeout game, and that's the one they didn't have Chris for. And you just look back and you go, geez, man, if they would add Paul, they, they win the NBA Finals that year. I mean, they're hoisting a trophy if they beat well, Golden State. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't in the, know. In the, in the 0 for 27 stretch from three, so what do you care about? Do you and, care about winning if you're James Harden? I mean, like, I don't know. You're right there. Just because you, you can't well, get well, along you do, with the you guy. Do care. Mean, you do care about winning. And, and probably in your eyes, you see in those games, Chris Paul wasn't there. Chris Paul was out. He wasn't there. He got hurt. And, and, and I'll tell you this. And, 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 if, and if Russell Westbrook has that game, you hang it around his neck forever. But it was James Harden who, on his home floor, his team scored 16 and then nine when it's totally his team. 25 points in a friggin' half at home, up 10 in an elimination game. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't want Russell Westbrook taking over. I want James. That's what happens when James Harden takes over in well, a big spot. Are we talking about 2019 or 2018 right We're now? talking about two years ago, the West 2018, Finals. 2018. Okay, West Finals. So, so, okay. The one that got Paul got hurt. Yeah, okay. I, I got that box score open right now. But still, like, that was the game they shot seven for 44 from three. That's that's the game where Eric Gordon's two for 12 from three. That's the game where Trevor Ariza's 0 for 9 from three. If you're going to pin that game from two years ago all on James Harden, it's it's a mistake. James Harden was the creator of so many of those open shot opportunities, was a guy they had to lean on to create every single possession. And with Harden, looking at his numbers in the postseason, he has not been nearly as bad overall as people are making it out to be. He still puts up tremendous numbers as a guy who is oftentimes the lone source of offensive creation. 
I mean, he, he puts up remarkable numbers considering the defense he faces, considering the attention he receives. He just needs the right pieces and the right the right guys around him to enhance him and compliment him. And I hope it's Russell Westbrook. I hope he's um, that guy who can tried, be that creator when they need it. They tried Dwight Howard. That didn't work. They tried Chris Paul. That doesn't work. They've tried Russell Westbrook. That's not going to work, evidently. That's not all on Harden, though. That's not that's not all on any one person. Who is the common denominator? You can you can also point the finger at Mike D'Antoni, who somehow hasn't been mentioned at all here. You can point the finger at him. You can say maybe Daryl hasn't put the right pieces around these guys. It's blame goes to everybody. It's not just one player or one person. That's what we do, though. You're the guy. It's not. It's not. You're the guy, though. You're the guy. You're the guy. Like, I mean, nobody nobody sat there and said, oh, well, it's uh, Lamar Odom and it's uh, Derek Fisher and it's it's Kobe. You know what I mean? Like the, the accomplishments with LeBron, the, the accomplishments when you're the guy in the NBA, it's a star driven league and it's what you did as Harden, a superstar. Harden, Harden averaged 32 points last year in the postseason, thir- 29 points in the postseason before that with efficiency not on the same level of the regular season because he's facing all-time great defense. He's facing an all-time great team in the Golden State Warriors. What do you expect? Okay, well, from, look, the know, search will go on forever for the guy that can play next to him if they're going to get rid of Russell Westbrook we've, now. We've seen this before. Like, not every guy ever wins a title, but we used to say, oh, what could Alex Rodriguez do in the postseason for the Yankees? What could Peyton Manning do in the playoffs for the Colts? Guys, these great, these, Harden is a great player. And that he, I look at him the way I look at Manning or A Rod, these guys who for a long time people said they couldn't win at all. Harden may never win a title. He just may not and may not be in the cards for him, but he's capable and he is that player. I think, I think, I think, caliber who came. I think the best example is Zach Lowe. I remember on the book of basketball thing, he said that he is our generation's Carl Malone, which is absolutely perfect because he went against a juggernaut team. In the Golden State Warriors is that is that why like Carl Malone went up against? Michael he has Jordan? also got these insane accomplishments that people don't care about as much as you would think they would. Carl Malone is like, I mean, come on, he's a leading scorer, right? Didn't he? He ended up becoming the leading or the second leading scorer in NBA history or something <laughs> by the time yep. it was all said and done. Yep. And yep. it's like, how many? How many? I tell you this, my kid didn't ask for a Carl Malone jersey. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give Harden this. A lot more kids got Harden jerseys than ever got Carl Malone jerseys outside of Utah. I'll give them that. Uh, uh, all right. So, let's so, get- so what, 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 one thing to, uh, this is going to lead us into Lakers Clippers. LeBron James, soon enough, will pass Carl Malone in all time points. LeBron at 33,313. 33, Malone is second, 36,928. Well, ch- that, that could happen next year. He had a chance at three more if it weren't for Pat Beverly. Ooh. Um, now look, let me get to this. I, I, th- th- I, I was, I was, I was excited to do this show because I wanted to ask you about this. So you have the the last play of the game, and people get mad because you are robbed of the dramatic moment, right? And you get this super slow mo that says, "Oh, it's actually out on LeBron." I was, I, I was very fascinated by this as almost just a social experiment. So as I look at social media at the end of that game, you get. I think an overwhelming amount of people furious about that call and saying this is when replay goes wrong and they should just, you know, that play's been, you know, you've seen that play a hundred million times. It's out on the defender, yada, yada, yada. And, and, And my thing is this, 
it's almost like if if they don't call that ball out on LeBron, people are saying, then what the hell do you have replay for? And then if they call it out on LeBron, they say, F replay. Replay, like this is not what, this is not the spirit of replay. Why are we doing this? That ball is out on Beverly. What do you make of that? Do you think that they should have reviewed that, super slow-mo it, and then come to the conclusion, yes, that ball's out on LeBron? It's one of the negative side effects of replay for sure. Um, but but ultimately, the correct decision was made, <laughs> right? And it, it isn't that the intention of replay is to make the proper decisions. And for what it's worth, though, That's Chris, a fascinating like, thing. It's like if, if we agree that the ball is actually out on LeBron, the fascinating thing about this is, and I feel like it's probably the same people, if you get to the playoffs and it's the most high leverage, this is just a regular season fun Christmas game, yeah. not as big a deal. But it's like, what the hell do we have replay for if we can't get it right? But yet in this game, it's like, that's, that's not what replay's for. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the spirit of replay. And it's I, it's a catch-22. It was like the same people that would fight to get it right, and that's, you know, this is a billion-dollar product. We should get it right. Are the same people that say, F that. You know what I mean? Like, let the, let the Lakers have a last shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the type of thing. I, I, I just think it's kind of silly, the argument that, like, oh, it shouldn't be out of bounds because street ball rules, you know, because Beverly was one was the one who pushed it. It's like, no, the, the rule is, is the last person who touches it, it's out on them, period. <laughs> and getting it right is important. It doesn't matter at what point of the game it is. Like that's what I was, you know, getting at earlier. They have they have the coach's challenge earlier for types of situations like this, which don't happen every play. It's it's silly for someone to argue, oh well you have to replay every play. No, 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 no. This doesn't happen every play. This is rare that it happens and it can be reviewed to get it correct and getting it correct is the main priority and they did get it correct. And it's unfortunate we didn't get the play at the end of the game, but we will get plenty of those over the course of the year. And and by the way, it was a good game overall. Yeah, it was a good game overall. I saw your video of Kawhi Leonard, which was uh, really well done. Congratulations on that. Sean, you and Dylan Berkey from the ringer produced that they, they did. They killed it. It was great. And he was, you know, much like we were talking about Embiid earlier, Kawhi was the best player on the court in that game. And and their role players are just better. The Clippers built better around Kawhi and George, and they already had those pieces in place, I understand, uh, than the Lakers did. The Lakers need, you know, obviously Kuzma was was very good in this game. Very good. And it, and it made you think, like, hey, maybe he can be – the third wheel, um, even though he will be going through big playoff games for the first time in his life. Um, but I just, you know, they got some dogs on that Clippers team. I like I like when your star role players are surrounded by these Pat Bevs, Montrez, these kind of guys that are just absolute bulldogs. And, and even then, Lou Williams did not have a good game. Right. Uh, against the Lakers, only one for six. Uh, he did have seven assists, but he was not scoring the ball as you would typically expect from him. And he has had some rough games against longer, lengthier teams like the Lakers are in the defensive end of the floor. But with that said, Kawhi was the best player on the floor on Christmas. Uh, he was absolutely dominant on the offensive end of the floor, getting where he wanted, passing the ball. He was unbelievable. 
All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. Want to remind everybody today's episode brought to you by Roman. With two thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by age 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care, some shave their heads, some embrace hats. But what they don't know is that there are FDA approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in waiting rooms. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today... Roman is giving the Ringer NBA show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNBA. Today's show also brought to you by Mountain Dew. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game changing the game, especially for the Brooklyn Nets, who only had eight two-point field goals in their game against the Knicks last night. Brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA, Do the Do. All right, let's burn through these. We're going to go through all the quick hits. Uh, First, Luka returned last night, showed absolutely no rust. Uh, He was awesome last night, uh, though he's just 9 of 23 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. He does end up with the numbers, uh, 24 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 assists, which has been very typical for him. But that is not the story that got the most talk out of the game. It was Rick Carlisle, uh, the coach of the Mavericks, addressing the issue of post-ups and the Porzingis posting up. And he says, quote, the post-up just isn't a good play anymore. It's a low-value situation. Our numbers are very substantial. The one Porzingis spaces the floor beyond the three-point line. We're a his, we're a his, we are a historically good offensive team. He continued, let's get off that stuff that KP needs to go in the post. He doesn't. Look, he's used to doing it because they ran the triangle for two or three years when he was there. Who is running the triangle now? Has anyone uh, you seen running the triangle, the triple post? If you do, raise your hand because I want to see who you are because I haven't seen it <laughs> because that offense is extinct. No, with Chris Stapps, it's the type of thing where when he's outside, you're better off attacking into that mid-range space rather than having a guy post up there. And Chris Stapps, this season, I tweeted about this last month. I said Dallas was wasting their time, wasting possessions, having Chris Stapps post up because of what they are when he is spacing the floor and how much better he is as either not just a three-point shooter, but a guy attacking off the dribble. And last night we saw him throw the lob to Dwight Powell for a layup. Rick Carlisle mentioned that. We've seen him attack, get layups or dunks attacking. You're better off having him attack into that post space rather than to just you know settle down and park there. Chris Stapps in the past was a poor post player before he got the NBA. He was a poor post player when he was young in the NBA. His last year with New York, he was solid. And this year with the Dallas Mavericks, he has not been what you would hope for. He hasn't gotten better. If anything, he looks like he's gotten worse and he hasn't gotten feel, partially because of just his natural high center of gravity. And you hope with his seven foot three frame, he is able to become somebody that can defeat mismatches to minimize the, the probability that the opponent will switch. You might need that in a playoff series. But for the most part, though, 
it's true. You don't want the post up. You just don't. And that's why we've seen across the league. We've been through this a bunch. It's been written about the uh, written about a bunch on the ringer. Zach Cram did something recently about it. Teams just aren't posting up anymore because it's not an efficient play. And yep. it's, it is fascinating to see the difference in philosophy where you have the Dallas Mavericks who don't post up a lot going in San Antonio that still does play more vintage uh classic style going through the posts with LaMarcus Aldridge going to the mid-range post area with DeMar DeRozan. It was just interesting that these comments came after a game against San Antonio, the one game that the, the one team that really does still have their foot in the past. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> this ain't the time to talk to me about what San Antonio does because <laughs> since we last spoke, I saw them drop 145 in regulation on the Grizzlies head. It was <laughs> the most unbelievable offensive showing I've ever seen in my life. I I mean they, they could not miss. They couldn't miss. They shot almost 90% in the first quarter. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I, Aldridge had 22 in the quarter. I was just sitting there in like I I've, I've never seen anything like it. Sometimes you just uh, can't miss. I saw I just uh, you know, I'm recency bias. I just saw them play a game where I was like, <laughs> holy. I mean, I've seen all of the, I've seen the Rockets. I've seen the Warriors. I've seen every great team for the last 18 years in person. And I've never seen anything like what they pulled off. I, I have a, I have a question for you. This is, yeah. this is a pop quiz. Pop right. quiz. Okay. Philadelphia is first in the NBA in total post-ups. They've okay. posted 624 possessions, according to Synergy Sports. The Spurs are third with okay. 393. Okay. Dallas, where do you think they rank? 21st, middle of the pack, 155. Right. Who do you, how many do you think the last place team has? The Brooklyn Nets. I gave you those numbers <laughs> to give you perspective <laughs> on where Dallas at 155. I mean, you know what? I was, about to make 30th. A, I was about to make a Nets joke. Okay. Well, because, how many? Well, oh. How many total? 10. 15. You were close. They have 15 (laughs) total post-ups in 30 games. Well, let me tell you something. 30 games. They have 15. (laughs) Last night did not present the best argument against it because (laughs) they made eight two-point field goals, which was the lowest since the three-point line was introduced and the lowest in the shot clock era. Wow. Eight two-point field goals. Like, you would just think with layups and putbacks, you're going to get more than eight two-point field goals. Like, they are... Like, they are the antithesis of... Like, everybody preaches, you know, it's just a bad shot. It's just a bad shot. Like, bro, they they had eight in a game against the friggin' Knicks. The Knicks are are back. Oh, God. Back to what? <laughs> Eight two point field goals and a good uh, Kyrie Durant meme that went around of them despondent on the bench. Like Nick, that is. Nick, Knicks have won four of their last eight games. How about oh, that? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, the net. So that's not exactly a great advertisement for low mm. number of post ups when they by, have. By the way, by the way, eight. what's with, what's with Kyrie? Where is he? What do you mean? What's with him? But why is he not playing? Well, he's still mad. He's still mad about getting booed. (laughs) Is he? Is he? 
is he just like taking a break? Is this a, a gap year? Is Slow he management, Kev? I I I I mean you have uh Kenny <laughs> Atkinson yesterday disputing the report that he's dealing with some new back injury and he's <laughs> still dealing with the old thing. I don't know what's going on. What's going on with Kyrie? Why is he not playing? Uh, he's hurt. I don't know about that. You know, I, think oh. I think I think I think he's resting. Load I th- management. I, th- I think he's I, th- I think he's just chilling and taking a break. Uh, hey, I, one I, last one last thing because uh, one last thing on the Mavs thing because uh, I did want to mention this. Uh, Seth Portnow uh, put this out last night. This was his tweet, and this was very good. Um, the Mavs have the most efficient offense in the league by a full point and a half. The discussion should start with what they're doing a lot more right than wrong, Bingo. including especially how they are utilizing their best players. And it Bingo. is our, it is our, you know, and, I, and I, I talk about this a lot where we talk about great players and what's wrong with them. The same goes with teams, right? We, we, we find this discussion and somehow this discussion is about what Dallas or a player on Dallas isn't doing rather than acknowledging the fact that they are they, they're the best offense in the league by a point and a half. And so something is going incredibly right. And that should be more of the discussion. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be like Mr. Media critic here, but I think this is one of the, it's been a topic of conversation recently on Twitter, especially about how the game is talked about and how it's perceived. I think we sort of live in a bubble and NBA Twitter, these hardcore fans that are going to watch games no matter what, but it is interesting to think about if you're a more casual Mavericks fan or a younger Mavericks fan who's learning about the game or just a casual fan of any team that's tuning in. I think you want to understand why is this team so great with these young players and Luca? Why is this team so great with Chris Adams Porzingis? Why is it effective? Why are they using this big guy this way to understand why this team is historically great on the offensive end of the floor rather than, oh, he should just be posting down. Yeah. He's seven foot three. He should be in the post without really understanding why. And I think breaking down simple concepts and making it understandable that, oh, when you have the sp- floor space with four guys around Luca, it provides this all-time great playmaking presence, the ability to drive and kick the ball out for other guys to make simple decisions to shoot or attack off the dribble and then repeat. I, I would like to s- yeah. I would like to hear more of why it's working route, like Seth alluded to with his tweet, rather than he should just post up because he's tall. Because he I- shouldn't. He stinks in the post, and they're better off with having him from three where he is great. Two more quick things. Zion learning to walk, run differently. Uh, Andrew Lopez from ESPN had the report. Um, the report also said he is, uh, in order to be cleared, he needs to get two to three practices, full practices, and the five-on-fives and everything. And the team hopes uh, to have that happen uh, right after the new year. What do you make of this? Do you think we are going to get to see Zion? Huh. I, ho- I hope so. I hope so. I will tell you, look, we, the Barkley Shaq thing obviously got a lot of talk because of Porzingis. Barkley showing Zion how to run and walk properly was the funniest damn thing ever. I mean, <laughs> it was just preposterous. Because, and that is a thing, though. I will tell you, I've dealt with, uh, I've dealt with players in the past that have come off of surgeries and that teams do want to change the way to make it to make it easier on them. Um, especially I, the last, the, the last time I remember it was Vince Carter, which is truly unbelievable considering he was nearing 40 years old, 
but it, I, I watched the training staff try to reteach him how he should be walking and running to make it easier uh, on his joints. And that's not an easy process, to say the least. Um, and I mean, we'll it's see. Hard, it's hard to change any habit. Oh, I know. Life. I know. I mean, no, no matter what it is that you What if you somebody do, retaught you to walk and run? No, I mean, good it's, grief. It's not easy. I mean, that, that's no. something that you literally have done since you were a toddler. Yes. Um, and and I, it's hard to change any habit, no matter I'm what you're just, doing. I, I get so freaked out every time I see a story about him. I'm just praying he comes back healthy and we see the Zion that we saw at Duke playing in the NBA because how about how about the Zion we saw in preseason yes Zion we saw and yes <laughs> I, I'd like to see that Zion okay uh last thing Kev as of Christmas day the all-star voting opened and I'm going to close on this and I'm going to think that you are going to agree okay so if 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 you are if you are tasked with choosing just the five starters uh for the east and the west Harden Luca Anthony Davis, LeBron, Kawhi in the West, Siakam, Embiid, Kemba, Butler, Giannis in the East. That sounds pretty good. I, I, I have not put in a single Do you moment think, of thought into this yet, but it sounds good off the top of my head. I think all of that is 100% no-brainers. Certainly the West is. The East, the only ones would be either Kemba or Butler and... I mean, Tatum and Brown are kind of there as guys you could put in. But I think, I think these are actually pretty easy in terms of, you know, if, 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 in the case that fans did vote for the most deserving players. In the West, Harden, Luka, Davis, LeBron, Kawhi. In the East, Kemba, Butler, Siakam, Giannis, Embiid. How about Beal in there somewhere? Uh, maybe not as a starter, but you know, on on, on the bubble, they've in won the conversation. 10, uh, they've won what ten games? Have they won ten? Uh, no, he, it's not his fault. He plays for that team. Well, well, I guess it sort. I guess it sort of is. He signed the extension. Now, what do you yeah. mean? What do you, uh, so, so are are you pro Trey Young then? Being an all star, I mean, he scores. Yeah, 50. yeah. I mean, he should be an all star. Not, I don't think a, a starter necessarily over some of the guys you mentioned, but he should be in that conversation. Sure. Okay. Oh yeah, you're you're a Devin Booker guy. That stands to reason. That's true. I am. I love Devin Booker. <laughs> Great player. It's not his fault. No. Not. I, know, Me- I know. Memphis Grizzlies with a better record than a handful of teams in the West, including the the Suns. Pretty amazing. Memphis, as we speak, two games back from That's the right. eight seed Portland Trailblazers. That's better right. than Phoenix, Minnesota, New Orleans, That's and the Golden State Warriors. Unbelievable. It's after, it's after their burial of Oklahoma City last mm-hmm. night. Unbelievable. Uh, Kevin. Have a wonderful weekend. I will talk to you right before the new year. Yeah, see you later, man. Have a good weekend, Chris. All right, buddy. Thanks, Kev. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for producing. Hey, if you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And we will talk to you next week. 